There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. America's sweetheart Hillary Clinton trundled out from underneath her bridge this morning to join Gail King on CBS. Here's a little snippet of their invigorating conversation. Women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. Uh, first of all, yes, I mean, women will die. We, we all die eventually. Now, to the layman, it might sound like Hill Dog is reciting the latest liberal talking points on abortion. But us conservatives, we know better. It's a direct threat to every woman on the planet. You will die. Sure, there's a multitude of reasons why they will die. You know, interfered with Hillary's political career, interfered with her daughter, interfered with her husband. Depending on what your definition of is is, of course, but one thing is certain, your end is near, ladies. Unless your name is Mary Mahone, Kathy Ferguson, Florence Martin, Suzanne Coleman, Paula Grober, or Barbara Wise. Why? Because Hillary put those women in the ground ages ago. And I know it's true because I saw it on the internet. Well, actually, it was an email forward. But... Stu does America. No, oh, it's true. Everything you read on the internet is absolutely accurate. In fact, you can get more accurate information at blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew to save 10 bucks. Ryan T. Anderson is here to tell us how abortion tore this planet apart. It's Kamala versus AOC in a true battle of the bobbleheads, but we start by doing the world after row. Yeah, there's a world after row. And I'm not talking necessarily about Gilead. Yes, the handmaid's tale is here under his eye, under his eye. I don't think that this is uh, what the left actually believes. They don't believe it's really going to turn into The Handmaid's Tale, but they'll say it over and over and over again to try to get as many dumb people in their fishnet as possible. But there is something that we, as conservatives maybe, as pro-life people, if you happen to be in that group, we do need to think about. And it is important to consider that overturning Roe versus Wade, while a 50-year project for the conservative legal movement and for conservative activists and all of us pro-life types, that was a 50-year activity. And to get to the end of that is something really meaningful. I don't want to downplay it. In fact, you know, I mean, I'll go to studosmerch.com. You can get the 6-24-22 shirt. You know, I mean, we, we, put a, we made a shirt with just the date on it so people would know uh, that uh, and I'm trying to remember that this date actually occurred. I, everyone's going to try to make you remember January 6th. Let's, how about 6 22 It's a pretty big day in our history, and I don't want to downplay it. But I also want to keep exactly clear as, w- as to where we are on this journey. It's not the end. If you care about life, if you care about babies being born, you know that this is not the end of the road. Overturning Roe versus Wade is not the end. There's a much bigger battle to come. This is just, this is honestly just the step that allows that intellectual battle of ideas to occur. Before this, we couldn't even really engage in it fully because it was automatically guaranteed that we would lose. Well, now we're at least at that point where we can make the arguments and try to persuade people to our side 
of the argument. And that's, I think, all conservatives wanted. They wanted a fair chance, not a rigged game uh, by the Supreme Court. And now we're back to what, frankly, is should be considered the moderate position on abortion, right? Like, back in the day, we were on the far left wing position on abortion. Yes, there was a lot of people who opposed it, but it was constitutionally guaranteed, at least by Roe versus Wade and Casey. Now that that's overturned, we're back to a place where people can make arguments and people can pass legislation and it can be, uh, by, the states can step up and do their part, which is what the Constitution demands of them. Ross Douthat uh, wrote a, a, a piece saying the end of the row is just the beginning. And he talks about how this is not the end of the story. Quote, but the story doesn't end here. While the pro-life movement has won the right to legislate against abortion, it has not yet proven that it can do so in a way that will command durable majority support. Its weaknesses will not disappear in victory. Its foes and critics have been radicalized by its judicial success. Part of the bizarre Part, uh, period of the past 50 years has been the left really never needing to make their argument in a convincing way. The left never needed to convince anybody that abortion was the right thing because the court told everyone they had to do it anyway. So it didn't really matter, frankly. That debate, of course, raged on, you know, in intellectual publications and on talk radio and on left-wing newsletters, but it really never made a lot of difference. Yes, you could regulate it here and there as Roe and Casey allowed, but there was never a real talk about whether it was the right thing to do or not, whether it could be banned or not. It all had to come with the first step of overturning Roe versus Wade, and that is not just a small first step. To win the long-term battle, Ross Douthat writes, to persuade the country's vast, disquieted middle, abortion opponents need to show how abortion restrictions are compatible with the goods that abortion advocates accuse them of compromising the health of the poorest women, the flourishing of their children, the dignity of motherhood, even when it comes unexpectedly or amid great difficulty. We talked to the author of the bill that from Mississippi that wound up rising up to the Supreme Court and led to this momentous decision. And that was the first thing she talked about was, hey, now that we got this thing overturned, we need to be able to step up and support uh, women who go through this to make sure that this is not the worst part of their life. And in fact, it turns into the best part of their life. One they look back onto and say, thank God I didn't go through with that procedure I was considering. That's an important part of this. It doesn't all happen to, have, happen to uh, come from the government, as many will tell you. A lot of this will come from churches and other support organizations. But that's up to us to make sure those organizations exist and help people who are going through this. Again, this is about persuasion. If we sit here and we say hey, everybody needs to go down this road and uh, good luck with whatever the consequences are. We may even maintain some of the legal basis for uh, the potential to get rid of abortions, but man, people will travel. They'll order their pills in the mail. They'll get around it any way possible. The only way to really stop this is to persuade people. You know, I, keep, I come back to the, uh, the example of slavery a lot because... I believe these type of things are on the same plane, frankly, and I think hopefully at some point in the future they will be looked at that way. Right now they're not. About half the country thinks it's really bad and about half the country thinks it's either a necessary evil or it's wonderful. It's like going to Disneyland. And 
it's important to look at slavery. There were a lot of people opposed to slavery back in the day. There were a lot of people who supported it. And over time, we had a, a war and we had amendments and we had legal action and we had decision after decision after si- decision. And we're at the point now that if somehow the Supreme Court ruled, well, actually, you screwed up on that slavery decision. It should be legal or at least uh, uh, the states should be able to regulate it like this. No state would pass a, a, a pro-slavery law. Why? Because we all find it abhorrent. And the same thing, you know, not that long ago, interracial marriage was controversial. You know, the polling on this shows that at one point it was 60 and 70 percent of people who opposed it, including a large percentage of minorities. But now we're at a position where almost no one opposes it. The polls now are far less than 10 percent, something like three or four percent of people oppose it. And if the Supreme Court did what Clarence Thomas, that evil guy who absolutely hates interracial marriage, despite being involved in one currently, uh, if they did overturn that case, no state would say, you know what, we're going to take that step and ban interracial marriage. It wouldn't happen because not because of the legal aspects tied to it, but because people were persuaded that that old position was a dumb position. And now they're awakened to the fact that the new position is better. And it is. I, you know, I don't think there's, question, uh, there's a question there. I think the same thing eventually will happen with abortion. Um, but it's important to understand where we are in this process. Uh, because passing a, a uh, you know, or overturning a, a standard in the Supreme Court is a small part of the battle. And it reminded me of one of my favorite videos. This one comes from Reason.com. And it's on a, what I kind of think is a somewhat parallel issue. Uh, the issue of the Second Amendment. Something that obviously we, we honor and, and uh, I fight pretty hard for on this program uh, all the time. And their part was to say how ridiculous it is to think you're actually going to ban guns. And they did it this way in a sort of sarcastic fashion. How to get rid of guns in five easy steps. Watch part one. For a gun-free America, the first thing you'll need is two-thirds of Congress. So elect a minimum of 67 senators and 290 representatives who are on your side. All right, so number one is to win elections. And over time, conservatives have done that. Now, it's not a constitutional amendment, obviously. This was done through the courts, so the parallels are pretty similar, but not exact. You don't need two-thirds of Congress. In this case, you just needed to be able to get uh, over 50 for enough time to get the Supreme Court the way that you wanted it. But it was part of a long-term process, a process of, uh, even before this, bringing up conservative politicians that were able to win elections, uh, bringing up conservative legal scholars who could step in uh, to these judicial roles and help this go the right way. So that's step one, and we did that one. We got that already. We got the Supreme Court uh, justices in the right spot. Okay, next step. Then have them vote to propose an amendment to the Constitution which repeals Second Amendment gun rights for all Americans. Now, what I find fascinating is you're here Right. Like you. This is the process. If you if you equate the Second Amendment to Roe versus Wade, even though one was made up and the other one is actually written down, you understand what a heavy lift that was. It would be an incredibly heavy lift for the uh, Second Amendment to be overturned an even heavier lift, honestly. And so it's a really, really hard thing to do. And the fact that that has been achieved is pretty freaking impressive. Here's step three. Then convince the legislators of 38 states to ratify that amendment. Congratulations! The Second Amendment is now history. 
At this point, you've done absolutely nothing to decrease gun violence. <laughs> All you've done is remove the barrier for Congress to legally act. And that's where we are, boys and girls. We have done absolutely nothing to take any abortions out of society. All we have done is removed the legal limits to at least attempt to do that. And as you see in that last step three, we've been able to figure out some sort of state issue where we can address it at the state level. And the same thing, of course, would happen with guns. If they overturned the Second Amendment, immediately Texas would say, well, it's part of our Constitution, and a bunch of other states would as well. And so you wouldn't be able to ban it. You'd have to go farther. So here's step four. You need to enact common sense gun reform. You can try to do what Australia did and uh, ban all guns? That's, that's not at all what they did, but whatever, f*** it, go big or go home, right? Get that law passed by Congress and signed by the President. Great, the law is passed and guns are now illegal. All right, there you go. Now that may or may not be the next step for conservatives. I think there's a big question um, whether the federal government has the right to, to legislate that type of activity, even on the pro-life side. I don't know that that would even hold up in court, a, a pro-life law that would ban abortion across the country. States obviously can do it. You could try to win every one of those states. But as, it, as you look at this and you realize what a daunting prog process it is, we're a lot farther uh, along on it than uh, the left is on the Second Amendment, which by the way, is their goal. Just like it's not my goal to get uh, abortion banned at 20 weeks, it's not the left's goal for common sense gun reform. That's not the way, that's not real. They want to do this. They would love to get rid of the Second Amendment and get rid of guns entirely. Uh, so we are here to this last step. And before we get to it, I want you to think about this from the perspective of someone fighting against the Second Amendment. Like we fight against abortion, them fighting against the Second Amendment, against guns. Right now, you've gone through a lot of stuff. You've overturned the Second Amendment. You got all these people elected. You passed it through all these states. And you're stopped here with the next step to go. And it's a little different, honestly. It's not an exact parallel when it comes to guns. And I will show you exactly how feeble the anti-gun movement is here and how ridiculous it is in a second. But with us, we're at that point where we need to say, okay, some laws will outlaw, some states will outlaw it, some states will have the most uh, wonderful, you know, Disneyland of abortions you can ever imagine. It's all going to be out there. It's an amusement park for abortions. People will be able to travel. People will be able to get pills mailed to them from uh, left-wing organizations, whether it's in the United States or not. Canada has already said you can cross the border. This is the, probably the one time they'll let you cross the border without being vaccinated. You can, be, you can not get vaccinated, cross the border, and get an abortion. That's my guess, is how at least how Justin Trudeau will read it. There are organizations around the world excited to send you abortion pills in the mail. There are Indian uh, uh, online pharmacies that that are producing them right now and being sent to women all over the country even before this ruling came down. So it's, it's not going to be done completely by legislation. It might help a little bit. In Texas, we passed a law, uh, that kind of a, a, you know, as we mentioned, the Mississippi law was really, I think, the main attraction here, but there was a Texas law that came out and banned abortion at six weeks. And because it hasn't really gone through the full uh, court challenge process and may not need to now, it's basically stayed in place. So women up to six weeks could uh, get an abortion, but after that they could not here in Texas for what, the past six months or a year. 
And what they found when they did a study on this was about half the abortions still occurred in Texas, uh, which is not a shocking number in that uh, largely because most abortions do happen pretty early in the pregnancy. About half of them still occurred. They noticed an uptick of about 25 percent uh, uh, in nearby states, people crossing the border to get them maybe a little bit later than six weeks. And some of these online pharmacies and organizations also noticed uh, an increase, which might account for about another 25 percent from pills. So this bill was passed and it may not have prevented many abortions at all, up to maximum 50 percent. But they think it's closer to zero percent. So you have to sit here and understand that you're, the main way you're going to get rid of abortions in this country, if that's a priority for you, is making sure you communicate to others and make the case so that they hate it as much as you. Just being barred by law is not going to be enough. Here's step five, by the way. The only thing left to do is enforce the law. Guns don't just disappear because you passed a law. You need to confiscate over 350 million guns scattered among over 330 million Americans. Sure, you can try a buyback program like Australia, but like Australia, that will still leave behind anywhere from 60 to 80% of privately owned firearms. The rest of them, you have to take. You'll need the police, the FBI, the ATF, the National Guard, all known for their nuanced approach to potentially dangerous situations, to go door to door through 3.8 million square miles of this country and take them by force from thousands, if not millions, of well-armed individuals, many of whom would rather start a civil war than acquiesce. So inevitably, gun violence, which is currently at a historic low, will skyrocket. And that's how you get rid of guns, everybody. <laughs> it's a daunting thing, and it shows how difficult this is when something gets built into the culture. Now, we have 200 years of gun culture here in this country, the Second Amendment being incredibly important to this nation. And, of course, there's some differences, right? You know, people aren't going to shoot you with their uterus, I don't think, uh, if you go door to door. But enforcing this and trying to do it through the brute force of the law, some of that is needed, right? Like, you do need to have laws, and it should be harder for women to get abortions. But, you know, with all these other options, especially now, it's going to be persuasion that wins this battle over the very long term. Legal aspects will always be there and be necessary at some level. But the truth is, having that person who currently is screaming at TikTok and complaining about Clarence Thomas, they seem to compla complain about Thomas a lot more than Alito for some reason. I wonder if there's some underlying issue going on there. But the bottom line is, they keep complaining about these Supreme Court justices. That person needs to hate abortion as much as you. That's how this goes away forever. That's how this is won over a long period of time. The, the people in our society who look at this as an option instead of a horror show need to be won over. Ryan T. Anderson is going to join us here in a second. He has a new book out talking about this entire process as we look at the pro-life issue in uh, still a week where we're reacting to one of the biggest days possible in the pro-life movement. 6-24-22. Back in a second. I really love Bespoke Post and their Box of Awesome collections. Uh, I've had some great ones. Now, I am what they call indoorsy, okay? And uh, I believe Jim Gaffigan quoted that term, and I, it really connected with me. He's a little more pale than me, 
but that's kind of the, 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 the situation here. I don't really like to go outside. I do like to travel quite a bit. Uh, I did get a really cool travel bag uh, from Bespoke Post and their Box of Awesome. It's a great, great bag. Every time I go anywhere, I always bring it. It's an awesome, stylish bag. It's a cool thing you kind of throw over your shoulder. It's not some big piece of luggage. just gets you through the day, and it looks really cool. They also gave me an axe. And I was like, I'm just going to go start chopping stuff down in the backyard. I don't even have anything to chop down. I'm just going to use the axe because it's cool. It's a really cool axe. No matter what you, uh, if you're indoorsy, if you're outdoorsy, if you like to camp, if you like to stay in hotels, no matter what you like to do, Box of Awesome has a great monthly box that will hook you up with whatever you're interested in. If you get started, you can take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. This is a great gift, by the way, as well. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and it's valued at like 70 bucks, uh, but of course you pay just a fraction of that price, and everyone I've ever seen is way higher than 70 bucks as far as the actual value of it. Free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel anytime. Get 20% off your first box of awesome right now when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout. Boxofawesome.com. Code is STU for 20% off your first box. The code is STU at boxofawesome. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's bring in Ryan. Ryan T. Anderson, he's the president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center and co-author of the brand new book, Tearing Us Apart, How Abortion Harms Everything and Solves Nothing, which came out today. Be sure to grab a copy for you and your friends. It's going to be very important in the coming days. Ryan, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, great day to be American after last week's uh, big win at the Supreme Court. Yeah, before we get into the details, where were you when it happened and what was your reaction? So I, I was right here uh, in my home office, and you know I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be Friday morning. Uh, I was thinking maybe it would be uh, today, maybe it might have been yesterday. Uh, and the reaction was just one of um, overwhelming gratitude um, that finally this has happened. So many people have worked so hard for so long to get the court to admit it made a mistake. It made a mistake 49 and a half years ago with Roe. It made a mistake 20 years after that with Casey when it upheld Roe. The Constitution does not protect a right to kill an unborn child in the womb. And this is the first step. You know, admitting that you got it wrong is the first step. And now, um, you know, you and I and our viewers right now, we need to work to make sure that we enact laws that protect unborn babies, that serve the mothers carrying those babies. We have to love them both. Um, we have to do this in all 50 states, at the federal level and at the state level, in law and in culture. You know, it's all hands on deck. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. That's kind of what was our focus of the opening monologue today. And that, like, this is, I think a lot of people saw this as the end of the road, right? Like, you go for Roe versus Wade. We won this huge victory. Yay. And that's, it, that's, that's okay. That's okay to react that way. But it is important to understand this is a long process. And as of this moment, we don't know that we've prevented even a single abortion from actually happening. You know, there are still so many other options for people who want them. The long-term process is both through law and also, maybe more importantly, persuasion. 
I think that's exactly right. Unfortunately, there are people crossing state lines to receive abortion. People are illegally mailing abortion pills uh, through the through the mails. Um, and so unfortunately, we don't know if any lives have been saved. I suspect that some lives uh, have been saved, that abortions that were scheduled for Friday afternoon did not take place. And some of those babies will be living a year from now because of that. You know, they'll be making the progression from, you know, milk to solid foods, as my as my friend Sharif Gurgis pointed out to me. That's around the timeline of abortions that would have been scheduled um, today, yesterday, on Friday. A year from now, those kids will be making that transition. A, a year after that, they'll be learning to talk, learning to walk, and they're going to be the best witness to life, their own lives, lives saved because of the Dobbs decision, but only because there were 12 states that had laws that sprung into effect as soon as Roe and Casey were gone. We now need to work uh, in the other 38 states to get laws enacted to protect those kids. We need laws at the federal level. And, and that's one of the reasons why you, you're, the end of your question was, we now need to persuade people. That's one of the reasons why Alexandra and I wrote this book. We now, um, you know, we've gotten Roe and Casey out of the way. That frees up the space for us to persuade our neighbors so then we can enact uh, good legislation. Yeah, and you're talking about Alexander DeSantis, who's been fantastic on this issue and done great work for a really long time. I, I can't wait to read this book uh, because it's really, really important. Let, let's talk about the legal side of it first here, because you mentioned, you know, 38 states uh, still have work to do. There's 12 states that had the trigger laws. There are other states that we expect to kind of come on board with uh, either uh, uh, close to a ban or, or heavy restrictions. Uh, can you kind of give us a, a layout of how you see these states and, and what needs to be done in each? Sure. I mean, so I think there's another 12 states that were just waiting. There's you know a 30-day waiting period after Roe is overturned before the law goes into effect, or the state attorney general has to certify that Roe was overturned before the law can go into effect. Uh, and then there, there's a whole bucket of states where, unfortunately, they have um, very um, bad laws on abortion. They protect abortion all the way up through the moment of birth. They subsidize abortion. Um, you know, a, a, a laws that are as radical as China's uh, mm. abortion laws, North Korea's abortion laws. And then we'll have um, probably another third of the states um, that strike some sort of a compromise, um, laws that look like Germany's or France's. And I thought it was odd that over the weekend, the president of France was tweaking uh, the United States where, you know, France outlaws abortion at either 12 or 15 weeks, I forget which. So France's abortion laws are either the same as Mississippi's or more protective of the unborn than Mississippi. And that just highlights that um, 12 week bills, 15 week bills, aren't the stopping point either. That may be the best that can be done right now, giving political realities, but none of us should be satisfied if we end up with Europe's abortion laws. Mm. Uh, those laws are unjust. And so to starting point, incrementalism has to be at the service of the complete protection of every human being in every jurisdiction in the United States of America. It does seem to me to be so important. I mean, watching the split from, I mean, friends of mine and people on social media and all the reporting, you see such a, it's almost as if there's two completely different realities that are that are mm -hmm. in place where one side sees, you know, the handmaid's tale in action, women's rights going away, uh, women have, you know, are being crushed by the patriarchy on one side, and the other side arguing, I think correctly, that we're talking about saving human lives. How can that be the hateful side of the argument? How can it be the racist side of the argument when our policies would result in millions of African-Americans being born that otherwise would not be. How do you how do you cross that divide? Because right now, I don't think the left has even started to listen. Maybe that changes at some point. How do you do that? I think uh, it's going to have to happen through one on one conversations. Uh, you know, this weekend we'll celebrate the Fourth of July. There'll be lots of barbecues, cookouts, family gatherings. And unfortunately, this this is going to be a topic. People are going to bring it up. 
Um, and we should be prepared to give a response. Uh, we should not shy away from it. We should do it charitably. We should do it reasonably, but we should bear witness to the truth. We should be ready to have those conversations. I also think the law is a teacher. Um, the reason why people believe some of the outlandish uh, uh, theories that you were just rehearsing, it's because of propaganda. It's because of, you know, um, uh, just, you know, lies that have been told, but that the Supreme Court reinforced. Both the Roe decision and the Casey decision said that equality meant sameness, that women to be equal to men had to be able to walk away from sexual activity the same way an immature, irresponsible man can walk away from sexual activity. When in reality, what we need to do is have a culture that respects both the male and the female way of being embodied, that sees our children not as threats, not as uh, 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 people who are attacking us, not as people who are imposters uh, uh, in the womb, but as people who are our children that we have duties to, that we love, that we care for. And the law can teach that. Um, I think as we see more and more states passing things like Texas's both heartbeat bill and the Texas Alternatives to Abortion Program, Florida's fatherhood initiatives that Governor DeSantis signed into law just about a month ago, there's a lot we, uh, there's a lot we can do via the law to teach the truth about our embodiment, teach the truth about the dignity of human life, teach the truth about not just our rights, but also our duties and our obligations. Uh, as I mentioned, I can't wait to get a hold of the book. I, I, it seems like what you're trying to do here is to arm people for those conversations, right? To let people uh, yes. ha have a, 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 a vision of you know, where these arguments can go, what the facts are on them, help people understand that you know, how to, it's not easy to navigate a, a conversation like this, especially with someone who's really passionate on the other side. Is that kind of the idea of the book? That, that's the exact purpose of the book. You know, b back in the fall, we could count to five. We said there's finally, thank God, five votes to overturn Roe and Casey. We're no longer reliant on the chief justice with Ginsburg having been replaced with Amy Coney Barrett. We now can count to five. And that means there's a new day in America. There's a new conversation that can now take place. And Alexandra and I said, look, our part in that conversation, and, you know, we're scholars, we're researchers, we're writers. We're going to write the book that can equip everyone to then have those conversations, to be persuasive. You know, we're in the convert making business. We wanna convert people to the pro-life cause. We wanna convert them to the truth about the dignity of that unborn child, about the equality of that mother, right? Who, who should be respected in her own embodiment, who should be supported. I mean, solidarity is a key part of this, both through public policy and through charities and through uh, pregnancy resource centers. It's all of the above, you know, all hands on deck. No one can sit on the sidelines right now. And the book is, you know, our contribution to that project, and lots of other people are making lots of other contributions. Uh, Ryan, I'm a known pessimist, um, so I uh, I will say I went through my entire life talking about this issue often and never believing I would see the day that Roe versus Wade was actually overturned. I mean, after missing in the Casey era and missing on you know several justices like the Chief Justice, who really didn't come along on this. I mean, he was really took a separate route. You know, all of that disappointment and failure was constantly backed, though, by people who were so active and worked in this field all of this time. I mean, if this was a left-wing movement, it would be studied for decades and decades and decades to come as a model for how to, within the system, go through and make a major societal change. I mean, are you just amazed that this actually happened? It is amazing. And you're entirely right. Conservatives, pro-lifers had grounds for pessimism, <laughs> given how many times the football had been snatched away from us, how many times we thought we were about to uh, win at the court and then we, we lost. But thank God for all the people who didn't lose hope. 
And I think hope is the right word here rather than, you know, optimism. I think we had grounds to be pessimistic, but we also have ground for hope. I mean, hope is a theological virtue. Uh, and I think it is so wonderful that there were people who didn't lose hope, who didn't grow despondent, who put their hand to the plow and who did the hard work. You know, 50 years ago, starting the March for Life, for the past 49 years, bearing witness to life, working to get the right people elected, working to make the right arguments, writing the books, organizing the coalitions, running the, you know, the 3,000 pregnancy resource centers all across the United States. Uh, Friday afternoon after the decision was handed out, I just did a quick tweet. You only get 280 characters when I just rattled off maybe, you know, a dozen people who I thought played a huge role in this. And you could have kept going. And some people did. They kept adding names. And you know the Twitter thread kept growing because there are so many people and so many of whom we will never even know their names. Right? They are nameless, faceless people who did their small part, and it made a difference. And thank God for them. Mm, it really is incredible, and it really—it's—it it, it, it can get you emotional thinking about it. Yep. Just—it was such a such a long road, and so, such a long road to come. Uh, last question here for you, Ryan, and this one I, I will say is a little a little sensitive. Are you going to be able to keep this book in the Amazon book on the Amazon bookshelves this time? I mean, is this you're not going to get pulled once again, are you? I mean, I hope not. I mean, they they, they sold the, the my previous book when Harry became Sally for three years, and then all of a sudden they discovered that it violated their content policy. Uh, we did already have the distributor of the audiobook cancel the contract after the Alito draft was leaked. Wow. The distributor said, we're no longer distributing your book. And so, you know, the, the the publisher of the audiobook had to, you know, scramble to find a new distributor. And and this is one of the things we highlight in the book, that abortion has corrupted our economy. It's corrupted our culture where, you know, people who claim to be like Amazon, the everything store, put their thumb on the scale. Uh, platforms that claim to be platforms, not publishers, you know, they censor pro-life viewpoints and they boost pro-abortion uh, viewpoints. And so it's, it's a, it, abortion has corrupted everything. My hope is that this book will remain available. Uh, it is available right now wherever books are sold. So get it before it's gone. Yeah, I highly recommend go out and get it right now. And I mean, if that doesn't highlight how difficult this is going to be, because I mean, it's not just winning the conversations. It's also trying to get the conversations to be able to be heard because so many are going to do so much to try to silence them. Uh, Ryan T. Anderson, president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center and co-author of Tearing Us Apart, How Abortion Harms Everything and Solves Nothing. It dropped today. Make sure while it's still there, you go out and get it right now uh, or one of Ryan's other great books, which you can find still. It's just a little bit harder. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Big developments in the, uh, in the uh, January 6th committee hearings. No, I'm all kidding. I, I don't know what's going on in the January 6th committee hearings at this point. Um, I will say, uh, when I say January 6th, you know exactly what that means. You know exactly what that means. And the left has done everything they can to make sure people do know exactly what that date means. Uh, that's part of the motivation why I decided to come up with the uh, 62422 shirt and uh, the mug and the sticker and the hat and all that stuff. 
And it's partially because I want to be able to support the pro-life cause and, and remind uh, everybody who knows, hey, this, you know, you got people around you that actually believe these things. Not everybody is a crazy leftist. Uh, but in, in a way, I think it's, it's important that that date gets remembered. It's a big one. It is a big one. Uh, this is the probably the most monumental achievement of the conservative movement in quite a long time. Uh, it is uh, a change that I think most people thought never could occur. And it did happen on Friday. That was uh, 6-24-22. And you can get your shirt right now if you go to stewdoesmerch.com. Stewdoesmerch.com. Lots of other stuff. Most of it just you know, wise ass and trying to make you laugh. Uh, but there's this as well, 62422. You can pick it up at stewdoesmerch.com. Use the promo code STU10 and that will save you 10 bucks off of it. 62422, available now at stewdoesmerch.com. I want to bring you a commercial message right now, and it will be the easiest commercial message I ever have to do. Why? It is for First Liberty Institute. And First Liberty Institute has been there protecting your religious liberty interests for a very long time. But this week, it's particularly easy for me to talk to you about this because they're awesome. They are the guys that were they were with Coach Kennedy, uh, who won a Supreme Court case this week. They helped out on the uh, the main case that was also a major case for Uh, religious liberty. They have been fighting for this for a very long time, as well as issues related to life and everything else. And when the left didn't get what they wanted, when Elizabeth Warren heard that Roe versus Wade was overturned, what did she do? She didn't come here and say, you know what? We need to do a better job making our case. No, no. She said she wanted to pack the Supreme Court. That's exactly what First Liberty Institute has been warning about for months and months and months and months. They are gathering a coalition of one million patriots to say no to court packing, no to the liberal agenda, no to packing the Supreme Court, which is basically a coup. It's a Supreme Court coup. They want to win at any cost, and they're going to try to do it. So join with First Liberty. Help them out. Join their effort. Supreme Coup, that's C-O-U-P, SupremeCoup.com. Uh, right now, go there now, supremecoup.com, sign First Liberty's letter, support First Liberty's, First Liberty Institute. They're a great organization, and they've done a lot for you this week. Uh, it's supremecoup.com, supremecoup.com. Imagine, if you will, a Super Bowl between the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. Now, of course, we all know who would win that Super Bowl, obviously, the New England Patriots. But If you're like me, a sensible American, you might also find that it would be impossible to root for either one of those teams because they're both both completely and entirely evil. That's how I felt while reading this headline. Kamala Harris says the White House isn't discussing putting abortion clinics on federal land like AOC suggested. A battle between Kamala Harris and AOC. Who could you possibly root for? It's impossible to root for either of them. However, this particular battle, Kamala Harris, at least at the moment, is saying that no, 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 you can't put abortion facilities on federal land to skirt around a Supreme Court ruling. That's what AOC was suggesting. And we all kind of know that AOC's an idiot, right? We know she's a dope. She is not not exactly a, a smart cookie. And... If you were making an argument about abortion rights, what's the one word you don't want to use? 
There's one word you never, ever, ever hear out of the mouth of someone talking about an abortion. And of course, that word is baby. That's right. It's always a fetus or a clump of cells or some. It's a Volkswagen. It's something else other than a baby. This is how AOC described her position. She said, uh, I'll start with the babiest of the babiest of the baby steps. Open abortion clinics on federal lands in red states right now. Right now. Well, that's not going to happen, at least according to Kamala at this moment. But Kamala doesn't know much of anything, so probably tomorrow they will all open. Get your punch cards ready. By 12, get the 13th free. Um, Pelosi is signaling uh, votes now to codify uh, 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 SCOTUS rulings and protect abortion. One of the things she's trying to do is they're trying to make a a villain out of Clarence Thomas here because he was the one person who stepped up and and talked about the correct legal decisions in many controversial cases uh, like Griswold and uh, and Lawrence versus Texas and, you know, uh, several others, uh, Obergefell and others. Um, Gay marriage, uh, you know, sodomy, um, you know, all the way to conception and possibly interracial marriage. And he said basically like, look, he didn't say, I, I think these things are wrong. I'm just saying the rulings we came up with, they're obviously decided improperly, and we should go back and revisit them and talk about it a little bit. Well, he got, he's the only vote for this, even though he may be correct on the issue. It's not all that important when the court would be eight to one in theory against him. Uh, that doesn't stop the left from trying to scare the hell out of everyone and acting as if tomorrow, any moment now, we could have all of these things overturned. So Pelosi's going to try to go get some legislation passed uh, on that stuff. We'll see how that goes. It's questionable whether you have rights to do that. Uh, You know, there's a Tenth Amendment we have in this country. That Tenth Amendment says the states are the ones supposed to be doing these things. We will see on that one. And the Communist Party has come out. And I'm not repeating myself. I know I was just talking about Democrats. This is the actual Communist Party. They have come out uh, to condemn the reversal of Roe versus Wade and will now go all out to defend abortion rights. Now, the Communist Party has a wonderful history of killing people. So they you would assume they would be on this side of this particular battle. Um, I would just say that if you happen to be the Democratic Party, and you're, let's say you're a normal Democrat, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm not too crazy, I'm not AOC, I'm, I'm a normal person. What party should I be with? And you may want to stop and consider this, how well aligned you guys are these days with the Communist Party. You guys are fighting for the same thing, and more and more, you're starting to sound like them, too. Now, there was a time when Democrats would say, hey, look, safe, legal, and rare. Joe Biden, is, every abortion is a tragedy, and we don't think this, we, we don't want this to happen. It's certainly not a right, but we're trying to help women when we can. That was the Democratic Party, and then the Communist Party was the one saying, we shout our abortions. Well, now the Democrats are there. They're almost indistinguishable on many of these issues from the Communist Party, and there's a little less in there. Because if you're agreeing all that often with the Communist Party, you might be doing and believing and supporting the wrong things. Make sure to listen to this program on podcast. When you do so, subscribe. Of course, follow the show. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. When you rate and review, we appreciate it. Is this a deep fake? All the talk of drug use. I've had some crazy shows this week, made me wonder if Jeffy was hosting with a deep fake image of Stu. That would be a lot of CGI 
right there to make that happen. On the next all-time low approval rating segment for President Biden, hold up a major daily paper to prove it's not a rerun or a clip show. We've done that segment so many times. Keep bringing the charts, sharing the polls, and explaining the Supreme Court cases. Will do, Mark. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And you can also check out the show on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you want. Uh, but YouTube, you can comment below the show. Click like on YouTube right now before you forget or I say something that pisses you off. Christina writes, I love Stu's sarcastic commentary every single show. That's why I watch five stars every day. Thank you so much. Click like every day. We appreciate it. Click the bell. Subscribe. Do all the things. Uh, I love this stew. Pit show. Five stars. That's right. Five freaking stars. Uh, Autumn writes, how can anyone call themselves human and put these ladies through what they're going through, which is, you know, pregnancy, something that women go through every day in every country on Earth all throughout history and which a situation that they have put themselves into. Most of the time, that's true and uh, something to maybe remember. Uh, Dawn writes, I prefer to listen to the podcast, but I wanted to see Nancy be her pushy self. I think I think she's saying she doesn't want to look at me, which I understand, but it's also a tad hurtful. Okay, so here's what happened. There was a, every once in a while you get into summer, it gets a little hot. We've noticed this in Texas recently. It's been over 100 degrees almost every single day, and some days you want to have that perfect cold treat. Something that screams summer, but will cool you down. And that's why it's here if you happen to be in a certain area of Canada, the perfect summer treat. Hey, Canadian friends, your favorite condiment just got a whole lot cooler. A refreshingly savory and sweet ketchup popsicle made from 100% Canadian tomatoes, which don't hold that against them. Here's the picture of the French's popsicle. Yes, actually a real thing, though I think it's more like gravy soda that they release all the time, like around Thanksgiving. You can drink your gravy. And as someone brought up Jeffy a little bit earlier, he's been telling me for years you're supposed to be drinking gravy by the cupful. I, I've never seen anyone else other than him do it, but every day he's in here with a nice steaming styrofoam cup full of gravy to drink. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>